1: Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast, where we bring you more Lions content, but in a little bite-sized. Hence, I, hence, First Bite, very, very, very clever. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor in chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, for First Bite, is my co-host, senior editor of Pride of Detroit, an all-around great guy and great dad, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore Pod on Twitter. Ryan, how we doing, buddy? Oh, man, what a great. Introduction. I'm doing
2: well. Um, there, there will be less banging on my microphone than there will be on yours. That's yes. for sure. But you are going to be very judicious with the mute button, which is I, fine. I will. We're going to persevere.
1: Yes. Uh, there is still construction going on in my house, so if you hear banging and talking in the background, my apologies. Don't give us a bad review because it's only going to happen for, I don't know. Feels like the next three weeks but probably just one so uh
2: <laughs> if you're gonna leave a bad review leave a bad review for the company that's doing the
1: no they're doing deciding it don't do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways uh we have kind of a special show today because normally on first bite we like to bring in a guest um since it's a dead time of year and we've already gone through our our, our college play or college beat writers for the lines rookie uh series we're just gonna do we're gonna do a little game we're gonna play a little game today ryan and you are kind of to, to add to your list of, of titles, you were kind of the game master, the, the game show host today because you thought of a, a, a kind of a clever idea, and I think it's going to be a little fun. So I'm, I'm just going to hand over the reins to you for the rest of the podcast. Heck yeah, dude. Game master supreme. All right. <laughs> so here, here's, here's the game. Here's what
2: Jeremy and I are going to go back and forth on. I have uh, eight questions, seven that I curated, one that Jeremy uh, threw in there so that we could get to a nice, even, neat number. Um, but this is a game of, would you rather slash what's more important? Um, and it's just going to be going through and, and these different kind of, I, I, I would like to think Jeremy and you even mentioned yourself that like, these are some tough, tough ones to answer.
1: Yeah, for sure. These are and Yeah. I'm the the live audience. I want to see your answers too, because I don't think, I don't think we're going to agree on a lot to be, to be completely honest.
2: Yeah, I, that, that was my, uh, those were my intentions. So yes. um, let's, let's, let's waste no time. Uh, so let's get right into it. The very first one I think is, is, a is, is a tough one. Uh, would you rather Dan Campbell keeps the offense aggressive on fourth down or Aaron Glenn gets the defense to overachieve. And by overachieve, I'm talking like 18th to 20th in defensive deviation. for for i I guess just some context to provide for the audience real quick um I, i think that brandon staley bested the fourth down attempts and fourth down conversions right by the end of the season but i mean dan campbell did have the record at one point with 41 attempts and 21 conversions so do we want dan campbell to stay that aggressive on offense or do you want to see the lions defense go from dead last in dboa to overachieving to right around league average, just sub, sub league average.
1: I I hate you for this one because first of all, you know how much I love being aggressive. You know how much I love never punting. You know how much, how I, how much I hate punting in general. (laughs) And it, there's also this nagging thing that I think I've expressed several times on the podcast that I'm a little concerned that that Dan Campbell comes from kind of an old school mentality. So you're kind of tapping into my anxiety that, that he will fall back and not be aggressive anymore. But I think my answer still is because if we're talking about change and, and improvement at its foundation, improvement on defense is what we need. And I want this defense to improve as much as possible while we still have Aaron Glenn here because he's not gonna be here forever. So if if he can get them into a good spot, I, I mean, I would say 18th to 20th DVOA is not a huge overachievement for what my expectations personally. So I maybe I would push that into like if if I could if I could make it more like 10 to 16. 10 10's high order. That's definitely overachieving. But I, I want Aaron Glenn to get this defense in as good a position as possible so that when, when he goes, he can, he can let his birdies fly. If Aaron Glenn were
2: to coach this defense to being 10th in DVOA on defense, we'd never see him again. You would have 31 <laughs> football teams that are calling for him to be their next head coach. Um, I, here, Here's the thing. I, I think I agree with you in the sense that I want Dan Campbell to maintain that identity and to keep that consistent as part of who he is as a head coach. So I think I would prefer, even if it regresses a little bit, right? Even if it goes from like 41 attempts to like 32 attempts, right? Like, even if it's a slight step back, I still think that like him ultimately being at the top of fourth down aggressiveness at the end of the season, that's something I want him to consistently be as he's the head coach of the Detroit Lions. So I, th- I think I, I ultimately agree with you. Um, I, in, de- I took that. the defensive side though.
1: Oh, you did? I did, yeah. You, you. you... my head's spinning right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, listen, it, I think in terms of wins, like it's going to matter more to just get your team to be better for this coaching staff to improve their players. So yeah, I, I think I just, I want, I want to see, Cause there's so many young players on that defense. And so if they can get them to average ish or maybe just below mm. average, like that's a huge step for a lot of these players and probably a really good sign going forward.
2: That is, that is for sure. So I want to, I want to make this really hard now. Okay? Uh, <laughs> okay. Another question of, would you rather, I'm, I'm going to skip around in our order a little bit here. Cause I think that this pairs well with, okay. with the first question. Yeah. Would you rather the lions fall just short of the playoffs or would you rather Detroit to be picking in the top two again?
1: This, this one is easy for me, honestly. Uh, you changed it and to make it a little harder, but it's still kind of easy for me because I am not here to talk about tanking in July, sir. <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> you tried, but no, absolutely not. If this team is picking second overall, something has gone drastically wrong. And maybe it, maybe it's just Jared Goff got hurt, and if that's the case, well, that's not the worst thing in the world, um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not hoping for that. I don't want that to happen. I want Jared Goff to play well. I want this team to be competitive. I want this team to take strides because if they go three 13 and one, and then win three games again this year, suddenly maybe we, we see some cracks in the foundation with this culture, right? Like that was the one thing last year is we were like, okay, they're setting a foundation. They're, they're going to go through some, some hard times. Can they weather that storm? And the answer was yes. Can they weather it a second year? I don't know, man. And, and I know second overall means you, you get your pick of the litter here with, with a good quarterback and, and you can start anew, and it's probably better for the Lions long-term in terms of just their personnel, but I need to see, but, but again, like that's, that's assuming that something disastrous didn't happen with the team. And if they're picking second overall, again, something bad must've happened and, and I'm I'm not rooting for that by, by any means.
2: Right. I think that this would be pretty divisive amongst Lions fans, right? Because I think that there's a good portion or a good contingent um, of Lions fans that are worried about Detroit being stuck in a purgatory, so to speak, right? Like being just good enough to be competitive, but missing out on what is, I, I think for all intents and purposes, like this quarterback draft class is being like their best shot like right now with this regime. Right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people were willing to punt on last year's class because they thought, well, you know, the Lions have draft capital. Maybe they can package it up and they can move up and, and take one of these quarterbacks. I'm, I'm with you because here's the thing. A, a player like Deshaun Elliott, who signs with Detroit simply because he likes what they're building in terms of culture and he likes the fit for himself and he, he vibes with the coaching staff if the lions lose enough games to be picking in the top two again, for, for the reason that you said, Jeremy, there are cracks in the foundation. Now, that now, now the worry and the concern is you're not only not getting players like Deshaun Elliott, because something is going wrong in Detroit, but the next natural progression and the next step is if the lions win eight, nine games, something like that, and fall just short of the playoffs, you can still keep building. Like yeah. you have, you have evidence to point to and say, this team is getting better. Right. And they they've gone from three wins to eight wins. Right. And and that's an improvement and you can sell free agents on, Hey, we're right there. We're right there. It's a lot harder to sell them on. We're right there. We won three games last year, but we're right there. We got a new shiny quarterback, but I, I don't think that's enough. So I, I think I ultimately agree with you that um, I, I want the lions to fall just short of the playoffs um, <laughs> in this hypothetical scenario. The
1: the other thing here is like fans, media, national people, they will turn very quickly on Dan Campbell. If if he only wins three games this year, right. It, it'll be like, okay, all this schmoozing, all this like cutesiness, all this quirkiness that he's putting in, in front of the camera. He's a clown now, instead of like being someone who can relate and being someone who's himself and being someone who's authentic, he's a clown because they're, they're not winning games. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep. Then yeah, that's no good.
1: Yeah. That's not great.
2: Not great. Um, all right. We're going to switch gears to a what's more important question. And this one has to do with a couple of players on offense. Uh, what's more important to the Detroit lions, Jeremy, Jamison Williams plays before November or Deandre Swift plays a 16 game season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, this is a tricky one because you're testing me in terms of how much I value a running back because my first instinct <laughs> here is like, if Deandre Swift doesn't work out, who cares? We'll just get someone else. Like, but that's not fair. And, and it also, cause, cause part of me is also like, well, I want, J- I want to see Jamison Williams, but is it that important that he plays this year at all? My answer is kind of no. So I think, I think I would feel a lot better if Deandre Swift plays 16 I presume you probably meant 17 or are we just. No, you, I'm, oh, okay. I, I,
2: I meant 16 because I felt like 17 was too high of a bar. You're asking like,
1: too much. Okay. Yeah. There,
2: there's one maintenance game in there. I yeah. don't think, I don't think Deuce
1: Staley would bust the guy up for playing 16 games. Well, here's the thing. If we get DeAndre Swift for 16 games, we know it like, like I mentioned on the podcast on Monday, we're going to find out who DeAndre Swift is this year, if he plays a full year. And so. You get 16 games out of DeAndre Swift, you know whether you need to draft a running back next year or not. You might have to draft one anyways, but um, right. so yeah, that's where right. I'm landed. But 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 I think I think therein lies the interesting wrinkle
2: in this question is that I think we kind of know who DeAndre Swift is beyond just answering the durability questions, right? Like we know what kind of player he is, we know what kind of juice he can bring to the offense. If you get 16 games of him that answers the one question that I think we have about DeAndre Swift. And, and, and it is that durability question. And kind of the, I think what's also interesting is if you get 16 games of DeAndre Swift, he's earning himself a contract, whether that's with Detroit or that's with somebody else. I think, I, I, I think therein lies the interesting wrinkle in the question, getting Jamison Williams before November I don't know how important that is to the lions this season. I, it, it'll make them a, it'll make them a more competitive football team. It'll make sure. them a better football team without a doubt. But like, like, like you said, I don't know how important it is to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously you, season.
1: you want your, your rookies to play. You want him to get, you know, a rapport with, with Jared Goff. You'd like to see how he fits and how the rest of the offense fits around him. You know, since you only have DJ Chark for a year, it'd be nice to see what those two look alongside each other to see if you want to bring Chark back, but ultimately I'm with you. Like, I just don't think it's that important to, to have him much the season at like, like I said, it's a bonus. Whatever you get out of Jameson Williams in his rookie season to me is a bonus because the lines clearly drafted him with long-term expectations, not short-term and wide receiver is also one of those positions where you can just show up and, and, and ball out. Like you don't need three, four years of experience before you're, you're dominant. You can be dominant once you build that rapport with, with your quarterback. And if, if he only gets a, a month of, of on the field experience and then gets all off season next year, I'm comfortable with him going into year two with that, that, that little of experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely falling on the side of, of Swift. It, it's interesting if if he does play all 16 games and plays to his potential, you know, maybe not top 10 or top five running back, but plays pretty well. He's got one year left on his deal. Do you make, do you extend him? Or do you let him play out that fourth year on his contract?
2: Oh, Jeremy, I, you, you're I answering just... a question that you know the answer to. And I know you're putting my feet to, feet to the fire. <laughs> you're damn right I am. <laughs> and, and you know that there's no way that I think – there. it's tough, man. That's really tough because in my heart of hearts, it's like no running back should get a second contract um, if you're building things, quote-unquote, the right way. But at the same time, if he plays 16 games and he has a – you know, 1,500 yards from scrimmage and scores 10 touchdowns and he's the best running back on the team. How, how do you sell your fan base on, we're not going to bring that guy back?
1: Well, you give him one more year and then you think about it, right? He's got one more year. It's, it's Does it's, he it's, hold out? Maybe. It's tough though, because like right now, the Lions very much have this reputation of, if you play well, we're going to reward you. Mm-hmm. And so is one season enough to do that? With DeAndre Swift,
2: it, yeah, no, that that that's what makes it ultimately a tough question. I think what we have. Let, let's let's get one more in here before the break. Sure. Um, and this one is another what's more important question. And and when I say what's more important, I mean what's more important to the Detroit Lions in the twenty twenty two season: the offensive line living up to the hype, or the defensive line getting back a healthy Romeo Okora?
1: I like this question because we haven't talked a lot about Romeo Aquara at all. And right. I wonder if part of that is just like, well, we don't have any updates about Romeo Quara, We don't know how close he is. We know he's not as close as Jeff Okuda and, and it doesn't seem particularly close right now. Because just
2: leads to a lot of wild speculation, right? Right,
1: right. Um, but I think part of that is also like people might be envisioning a future without Romeo Aquara and might be kind of okay with it. And I think that's kind of where I'm getting to. Obviously having Romeo Quara is good. He he was a player that was on the rise. He's a 10-sack season a couple of years ago. But I don't know if he's part of the future of this team. I really don't. And he's what 27-28. He's got I think 2 years left on his deal. He doesn't have to be a part of this future. I think that's that's the other point. Like Obviously, the lines are gonna to have to find someone opposite in Hutchinson in the long term. Maybe it's Charles Harris. Maybe he balls out again and, and only gets better now that he doesn't have to get double-teamed all the time. Um, maybe it is Romeo Quara, maybe it's Julian O'Coara, maybe it's it's Josh Pascal, maybe it's someone that they draft next year. Um, but I, I'm just if I'm looking at the long-term picture here, I'm not sure Romeo Quara is a necessary piece for it. So but the offensive line is right. Like the offensive line is the identity of this damn team. So yeah, I I want to see it live up to its expectation because also I think that's a really good predictor for success. The, the, the way you succeed in the NFL today is offense and the building block of the offense is your quarterback and your offensive line. So if the offensive line is living up to expectation, I think the lines are on the right track.
2: Well, let me say this though. Like I'm fine with the offensive line living up to expectations because I think expectations should be, you know, right there in that top 10 range for sure. offensive lines. No question. I think with the hype though, a lot, a lot of people are expecting this group to be like top five. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, sure. I'm fine with them living up to expectations. I'm fine with, you know, Sewell taking a step and, and Decker kind of, you know, still being that steady block on the left side and, you know, having a healthy Frank and, and, you know, seeing Vitae and and, and Jonas be, you know, two road graders. I I really want to see a healthy Romeo Aquara. I the thing about Romeo Aquara is that he was Brad Holmes' first big contract that he that he shelled out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like in terms of bringing a guy back, they they really counted on him to be a a defensive foundational piece. The contract that he gave him definitely showed that, right? It was, I think it was like three years, 37 million or something like that. Yeah. Somewhere in there um, in, in the 30 million you know, range. But I think that when, when you add him to the mix and if he were to be healthy now, all of a sudden I, that washes away a lot of my concerns about the defensive line. Sure. I get it. Like the interior of the defensive line still shaky, but if Romeo's there, well now you can just afford to like kick in Josh Pascal a lot, or you can kick in Aiden Hutchinson a lot because you have Charles Harris having another top flight defensive player along that defensive front changes how I feel about the defense almost as a whole. Like Romeo is a, is a big missing piece that like you said, just a big question mark because we don't know a lot about his rehab or how he's doing. And you know, I, as much as I would love the offense to live up to the hype or the offensive line to live up to the hype, damn, do I want me some Romeo Aquara playing, playing along that defensive front.
1: It's, it's a good point because I think, I think you can make the argument that getting Romeo on defense and not, not only healthy, but like back up to speed. Right. Cause it, I mean, we talk about how much an Achilles might hurt Jeff Okuda's athleticism while ever, you know, same goes for, for Romeo who's also older. And you know, bigger, and sometimes that takes longer to rehab. So, yeah, I mean, we we all love pass rush, right? And and the, you can't get enough pass rushers. And if you, you you have him, you have Charles Harris. I mean, you're three deep at guys who can pat who have proven to be decent pass rushers in this league. When's the last time we could say that about the lines ever that they were three pass rushers deep? Uh, it's, it's been a while. It's it's been a while. and to quote quote my favorite band stain (laughs) and it's also been a while since this has been a very good defense and i don't think those two are are non-related
2: yeah absolutely kick
1: us get it it's a break man get us a break all right let's take a break here when we come back more would you rather's on the other side as we get less than i think we're at this point less than two weeks till the start of lines training camp so we're getting you ready with all these fun little hypothetical games so stick with us on first Plate. we will be right back
0: And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: And we are back here on First bite playing a game of would you rather? With the Lions 2022 season Ryan is going to act again as our game show host Ryan. So let's let's tarry no further. Let's get into these last four would you rather scenarios.
2: Yeah and I saved I saved this one and I and I teased you because I said that I was going to add a wrinkle to it. Um so this is would you rather Jared Goff plays well enough for you to feel comfortable with him being the quarterback in 2023 or TJ Hawkinson has a career year. Now you wanted to manipulate this one a little bit to make it harder on the surface level. And you said, make it. So TJ Hawkinson has an all pro year. I wanted it to be just a career year because having a career year definitely sets him up for a contract extension that makes him, if not the highest paid tight end, at least like in the top three, right? Right. But if he has an all pro year, you'd feel pretty comfortable handing over that contract. But if he just has a career year, maybe doesn't answer all the questions you have. Which one would you rather have TJ Hawkinson having a career year or Jared Goff playing just well enough that you feel comfortable with him being the quarterback in 2023?
1: See, now, now I feel like you're changing the Jared Goff style just good enough. So he's, he's, not, he's not playing at a pro bowl level. He's not playing. He's not a guy that you're even considering maybe even giving incentives. He's just he's barely passing the bar of like, okay, I can, I can, I'm down with him playing another year. It's almost kind of like the the
2: vibe that we have going into this season. Do you know what I mean? Like
1: we like there's a glimmer of hope.
2: There was enough that happened on that stretch where you're like, <laughs> okay, I'll I'll watch this. I'll watch this again. Like I'll watch this for a second season. That's how I felt with um. Okay, I can't think of it.
1: Right I, now, okay, I, go ahead. I am still going to go with Goff here because he needs to play a lot. Like the bar has been raised for Jared Goff now. And so for him to play in an acceptable level with this cast of, of, you know, their, their offensive line, this cast of receivers, if he plays at a level that I'm comfortable with having him play another year, that's a pretty high level. It probably doesn't have to be a pro bowl or, or all pro or anything like that, but he has to be an above average quarterback for me to be like, I want this guy to be our quarterback in 2023. So that's, that to me is obviously more like good quarterback plays is, 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 you know, takes precedent over everything. So if, if golf meets my increased expectations, I would take that almost, almost anything else, certainly over TJ Hawkins having a, a pretty good year.
2: Yeah. I, I think I, I think I agree with you that I, I want, good quarterback play and if the lions are getting that and i feel comfortable enough about that not being a top shelf need for the lions going into next offseason i'm gonna feel a lot better with that happening rather than the lions have a really good tight end right you know what i mean so uh and and they have a really good tight end for the next however many years he's signed like obviously I, i think i think i'm there with you um and I, I don't think that there's anything else to add. I, I I still think it made you think a little bit though. A little like bit. It, it it made made you think a little. <laughs> um, all right. This one you actually said, oh, that's a good one. Uh when I when I was sharing these with you. Um, would you rather a year two jump for Levi on or a year two jump for Derek Barnes? And I feel like this is also giving you the floor to talk a little bit about the research you did and alluded to on the podcast earlier this week yeah. about year two jumps and whether or not they're real or Fugazi.
1: Yeah. And, and my basic conclusion was there's, you, you can definitely predict more about how a player's career will play out based on their year two performance than their year one performance, which does suggest that there, there is occasionally a change in, in behavior, but the, the question is, are you going to jump forward? or Are you going to jump backwards? Um, the interesting thing about that research when it, as it relates to this question is, there isn't that big of a difference when it comes to linebacker. The, you, you can judge a player almost equally based on their year one and year two performance in terms of how, how much that predicts they will perform in, in the future. And so that might be a, a damning sign for, for Derek Barnes, but it, in terms of what benefits the team more, I think it's still probably Levi um, because well, for a lot of reasons, one, an internal pass rush has been something this team has lacked since and Sue has been here Two, you know, if he plays to his potential, he'll also be a pretty darn good run defender. And that's going to be important in a division where you have a lot of good running backs and, and, and a lot of teams that are probably going to focus on the running game. So in general, I think, I think defensive tackle linebacker, if, if this was just like a positional value question, it, it's kind of neck and neck here. But in terms, I think the upside that Levi can bring you, whereas, I mean, if Derek Barnes doesn't play out, like you, the lines are just where they are anyways, that they have maybe some other young talent that might grow into something, but they they need to add at linebacker anyways. So if Levi plays out, then suddenly that interior position looks a lot better than maybe we currently think it does.
2: Yeah. And, and I guess I also kind of view this th- through the lens of, what's your return on investment and what was the initial investment? Sure. You know, Derek Barnes was a fourth round pick. Levi Zorrique was your second round pick, yep. you know? Um, and, and, you know, Brad Holmes was so just enamored with Levi that he was almost willing to move up in the first round to get him. Right. So I, I think that, you know, I, I, I agree with your assessment of like, you know, the the interior of the Lions defensive front is just so starved um, and so thirsty for somebody who can generate some juice up front in terms of a pass rush and anything he adds in terms of run defense is gravy. But like, if you can get a disruptive guy in the middle of a defense, especially when they're he, he's flanked by guys like Charles Harris and, yep. and Aiden Hutchinson and maybe potentially Romeo Aquara now all of a sudden you really have something. And I don't want to say that that linebacker is just like a, you know, you can, you can figure it out whenever you figure it out and you can plug a guy in there. And as long as he's a sure tackler, then, you know, you're, you're set Um, because there are some really, really good dynamic linebackers that are in the league. But I mean, I feel like the lines have enough, like enough pieces there and they're, you know, all of the talk about linebackers has been, you know, predicated on competition and it's going to be a bloodbath, and and this, that, and so forth. I would feel confident that like if Derek Barnes isn't taking that year two jump that the coaching staff would say, okay, well, we're just going to, you know, we're going to change plans. You know, we're, we're, we're going to give, we're going to give, you know, whoever they end up keeping a shot um, in, in place of him. So I I think I'm with you in that. I I, I really
1: would rather Levi make that year two jump. Okay. So can, can I jump in now? Can I, can I take the mic from you and and propose the one, question that i had that i think is, is a nice kind of extension of this question for sure uh ryan would you rather kirby joseph earn a starting safety job by the end of this year or malcolm rodriguez winning a starting job by the end of this year all
2: right the thing about this
1: question is it comes
2: it, it always comes back to i think positional value Right yeah. and where the Lions are situated right now, at both of those positions, right. So at safety, Tracy Walker should be your starter on day one, and he should be your starter at the end of the season. That much is set in stone. Deshaun Elliott is a nice, he's a nice piece. He needs to prove to be durable, but it's also it's, it's interesting here too. This question because you have the same kind of situation going on at linebacker with Alex Anzalone um, where I think Malcolm Rodriguez would ultimately kind of, kind of fill his spot if the Lions needed a Mike linebacker. So you have Anzalone who might struggle to be healthy. You might have Deshaun Elliott who might struggle to be healthy. Now, which one would, which one would you feel more confident in earning the starting job? And I think it's Malcolm Rodriguez. I think it's Malcolm Rodriguez, even though that the Lions, again, you know, I, I feel like I'm going totally against myself when I, you know, just said, well, Levi was the second round pick and Derek Barnes was the fourth round pick. So you want your second round pick to hit. And, you know, Kirby's a third round pick and, and Malcolm was a sixth round pick. I think if Malcolm catches on, it almost, and he earns that starting position. I think that that really, um, Limits is the wrong word, but it really uh, sure it, it really shures up a, a a spot on the Lions' defense that I think that they can get safety figured out because they already have Tracy there. They don't have a linebacker. Yeah. They don't they don't they don't have anybody who I am like yeah that guy is a good starter and he should be here for the next you know however many years. The Lions have that in Tracy Walker. They don't
1: have that in a linebacker right now. So that, that's that's the way that I lean. I think I lean that way too, kind of for a different reason though, because in essence, I think the plan for Kirby Joseph has always been at least one year off. I don't think the plan is for him to, to start this year. I think if, if they were get, get him to start this year, it'd be a big surprise and it would probably be more a sign that, yeah, something happened to to Deshaun Elliott. And that's, that's not a good thing necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think Malcolm Rodriguez has a path to potentially start games, and it's because of what you just said. Lid. There's there's no there's no future solution there right now, and so if he as a as a sixth round pick can his work his way into the starting lineup, maybe it doesn't say as much as it would on another team, but it does say something, and it does say, you know, it it also gives him kind of that opportunity to prove, you know, all the all the physical shortcomings about him aren't necessarily a big deal because we already know he's got the mental thing there. We already know he's maybe way ahead of where normal rookies would be in terms of understanding scheme and things like that. So if he gets some on-field reps and shows, you know, this wasn't part of the the, the hypothetical, but if, if he shows some promise too in those starting roles, well then suddenly you, you might have something going there. And so just him alone, getting the opportunity to show it, I think would be more exciting and have maybe more potential net value for the lines than Kirby Joseph, who's a guy who remember this is only going to be his second year playing safety, essentially didn't get a lot of playing time in, in at Illinois. So they're going to, he's going to be a slow burn with the team. And so I think it's not a big deal if he doesn't start this year.
2: Yeah. And r- real quick, I, I what you just said about Kirby is interesting. When you take a look at the defense as a whole, you look at like all these pieces, like, they're playing a Fatu Malafandou at safety a little bit. Sure. Will Harris is supposed to be the k mm-hmm. Um, Derek Barnes is somebody who made the transition from edge to linebacker. Right. Like there are a lot of guys, even somebody like Ali McNeil this year, right? Like as they're kind of phasing out, needing a, a true nose tackle, like can he be productive enough at a three tech um, to, to, you know, stay on this roster and, you know, the talent isn't a question. And, and I think that's what's interesting with a lot of the kind of question marks in terms of like, where are guys going to play? Because it yeah. seems like this, this defense is like, we're trying to put you in the best spot to succeed because uh, they desperately need it. Right. So, um, all right. This is the last one I think we have. Yeah. Um, and it's a, what's more important question, I hate this uh, one, by the way, hate it. Detroit gets themselves situated in the defensive backfield. So they, you know, feel comfortable about their corners and their safeties or Detroit gets their defensive front figured out, which one is more
1: important to the success of the 2022 Detroit lions. Jeremy, you're, you're dragging us into the debate that has been waged by analytics for the past five, 10 years, which is pass rush or coverage, which one's more important. Right. And it's a little bit of a different conversation, here because we're talking about specific players, right? We want to see which specific, like if, if they have their defensive backfield, you know, figured out, well, that suddenly that means this guy, this guy, this guy succeeds. So maybe that means it's better for the overall team. And I think that's where I'm going to land because I mean, I have confidence in, in some of their defensive front, probably not the whole thing. And if the whole thing isn't figured out this year, that's okay. I, I like having, I'm I almost like having a, a better defensive front than I like having a better secondary because I just think in general, the rules of the NFL don't allow for a secondary to succeed. I think it's harder for a secondary to succeed. I think you can play. Yeah. Like year I, to year. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think you can be a really good corner and play really good football and still get penalized because of the, the overly officiated uh, league that, that tends to favor the offense. It's a lot easier to play defensive line so I know I'm kind of going back and forth here but if if they if they figure out their secondary this year one that probably means Jeff Okuda is balling out so hell hell to the yeah for that it probably means they figured out someone to finally play alongside Tracy Walker I don't even know who that would be but that's been a gap on this team for for years and years and years And listen, like it's a passing league. So if you get all that figured out, you're, you're in a good shape. It's hard. Like you said, it's hard to be consistent in secondary year to year, but when it comes to the individual players, you know, Amani being a a, a top tier guy, maybe as your CB2 or CB1, we'll, we'll see. Um, There's just, you look at teams with, with top tier corners and, and most of them have really, really good defenses. So that's where I'm landing on, but it, it, it is a tough one because I want both. Give me both. It is. It is. And I, I think I side
2: with the defensive front and I think with the defensive front, what ends up happening is you figure out that Aiden Hutchinson is a dude. You figure out that Levi on is a productive player. You, you get another good season of Charles Harris. And then all of a sudden the lions are disruptive up front in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. And I feel like the last time that I remember a Lions front being defensive, the team – or a Lions defensive front being disruptive was the last time I remember them being a successful defense. It was the last time where I could watch Lions football and I could say, the Lions have a shot in this game, not because of Matthew Stafford, but because I know that that defense is going to make life a living hell for whoever is on the other side. And it it is tough, though, because <laughs> – I think it's well-documented that we are a pro Jeff Okuda podcast uh, and I would love to see the dude succeed for all, for all the reasons you said. It's just, I think I lean more towards the defensive front being a more important um,
1: function of, of a defense than, than it is coverage. So. And and it's worth pointing out how inner, how, how much interplay there is between the two, right? Like you, you oh, hear yeah. coaches say it all the time. Like if you have good coverage, well, that means you can get more sacks from your defensive front. If you you have more pass rush. You, you force more errant throws. You get better secondary play. Like, and that's that. Like, I think everyone looks at that twenty fourteen team as an example of the last successful Lions defense. And it, it depends which one you focus on. Like, they had a really good pass rush with with a bunch of guys up front that were mauling, but they also had Glover Quinn and 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 Darius Slay and you know a bunch of guys who were getting picks in, in the secondary too. And they played off each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know which one was better. But both contributed to the other's success, I think, is, is the point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was fun, man. That was fun. As, uh, as Pride of Detroit's Game Master General, um, I adjourn. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> adjourned. <Even> adjourned. <laughs> Who won? Uh, There's I, no bonus right now. Do we get to spin no. a big wheel or anything? No, unfortunately
1: not. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: production production didn't allow for
1: this. This was just the pilot. This was the pilot. So if we get picked up for, for a full season, we'll, we'll have a big wheel and a a showcase showdown and I'm just throwing out prices, right? References.
2: Yeah. I I was worried that you were kind of just like setting me up to be chunky. You're like (laughs) chunky, what do you do? And I
1: was like, I, Jeremy, I I really don't know. We're just trying to figure it out as we go. (laughs) All right. Well, let's close it up then. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our live audience as well. Uh, Always appreciate our Twitch audience. If you want to join us, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Thank you for all the, the subscriptions on, on both the podcast side and the Twitch side. Thank you for all the reviews, but until next time for Ryan, I'm Jeremy. It's chaos. Be kind.
2: Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.